Amen. You may be seated as you're taking your seats. If you turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 25, who likes a good story? I love a good story. And as we long for uh, fall weather and fall temperatures, that makes me think about something in children. Y'all might not know anything about this. I don't know. You live in a different age. But I think about people going outside. Can you imagine that? They go outside and they, they make a fire and they gather all around that fire not only to make s'mores or not only to grill hot dogs but to tell stories, good stories. And I don't know if that's something foreign to you or not. You know, we do live in an age of video games and we live in an age of cell phones and things like that. But yeah, we can actually not have that stuff and be with other people and look them in the eye and tell them stories. A good story. For a good story, you need interesting characters, don't you? You need good guys, you need bad guys. Throw in a little death, <laughs> throw in a beautiful lady, throw in a plot with a lot of tension and maybe even a few other near-death experiences. Have a hero, have a heroine, Maybe have a wedding, and you have yourself a really, really good story. And that, my friends, is what we have before us today. All of that. And not only do we have that, but we have this stage-setting prologue. And then you have this sort of judgment day, uh-oh, what's going to happen next? A postlogue or epilogue. We have a long chapter before us. But it's such a fantastic chapter that you're, and it's so wonderfully crafted by, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but also by the skill of the writer of 1 Samuel that it's hard to kind of cut it up and just give you a few sample verses. It's sort of like, I don't know if you watched that movie, uh, Amadeus, but Mozart has this big piece that's being played and the, the government official, I forget who he was, is sitting there and he's, he's falling asleep and he asks what the problem was. He said, well, just too many notes. Just cut out a few notes to the great Mozart. I'm, I'm not going to cut out any verses, so let's get at it. Now Samuel died. And all Israel assembled and mourned for him, and they buried him in the house at Ramah. Then David rose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. That's, let me just stop there, and that's one of those places, maybe you've got a modern translation, and there's this uh, white space gap after Ramah. Well, that's one of those times I think they just get it wrong. The white space should be between the end of 1 and uh, verse 2. Because what's happening is the great prophet has died. And that's going to affect David. And it does. He can't necessarily go to Ramah because of the dangers inherent with the situation with Saul, right? But he goes away from Israel, most likely by himself, to mourn. And then there's a gap. We don't know how long, but there's definitely a gap in time. And there's a change of geography when we get to verse 2. But yet, notice those first three words. Now Samuel died. Now Samuel died. What's, what's happened right before? 
Saul has acknowledged that David was truly to be king. And really, in a sense, that ends the work of Samuel. It's been acknowledged. Now it's time for Samuel to depart to be with his Lord. Verse 2, And there was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel, and the man was very rich, and he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal. And if you're a good uh, Hebrew scholar, and if you were originally reading this, you'd already say, Oh, I wonder about this guy. And the name of his wife, Abigail, and the woman was discerning and beautiful. Beautiful, actually, meant she was beautiful in form. She's a knockout. But the man was harsh and badly behaved. And here's, here's the irony. He was a Caleb, Calebite. Was Caleb badly behaved? No, he was one of the great spies. This guy's a Calebite, but he's no Caleb. David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. So David sent uh, ten young men, and David said to the young men, Go up to Carmel and go to Nabal and greet him in my name. And thus you shall greet him. Peace be to you, and peace be to your house, and peace be to all that you have. I hear that you have shears. Now your shepherds have been with us, and we did them no harm. And they missed nothing all the time they were in Carmel. Ask your young men and they will tell you. Therefore let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we come on a feast day. Please give whatever you have at hand to your servants and to your son David. And when David's young men came, they said all this to Nabal in the name of David. And they, then they waited. And Nabal answered David's servants, Who's David, who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants these days who are breaking away from their masters. Shall I take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shepherds and give it to the men who come from I don't know where? So David's young men turned away and came back and told him all this. And David said to his men, Every man strap on his sword. And every man of them strapped on his sword. And David also strapped on his sword. And about 400 men went up after David while 200 remained with the baggage. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to greet our master, and he railed against them. Yet the men were very good to us, and we suffered no harm, and we didn't miss anything when we were in the fields as long as we went with them. They were a wall to us both by night and by day. All the while we were with them keeping the sheep. Now therefore know this and consider what you should do, for harm is determined against our master and against all of his house, and he is such a worthless man that no one, can speak to him. Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves and two skins of wine and five sheep already prepared and five sails of parched grain and a hundred clusters of raisins and 200 cakes of figs and laid them on the donkeys. And she said to her young men, Go on before me. Behold, I come after you. But she didn't tell her husband Nabal 
And as she rode on the donkey and came down under cover of the mountain, behold, David and his men came down toward her and she met them. Now David had said, Surely in vain have I guarded all this fellow has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed on all that belonged to him. And he's returned me evil for good. God do so to the enemies of David, and more also, if by morning I leave so much as one male of all who belong to him. It's a little bit more vulgar than that. When Abigail saw David, she hurried and got down from the donkey and fell before David on her face and bowed to the ground. And she fell at his feet and said, On me alone, my Lord, be the guilt. Just pause there. On me alone, Lord, be the guilt. Please let your servant speak in your ears and hear the word, uh, words of your servant. Let not my Lord regard this worthless fellow Nabal, for his, as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly or foolishness is with him. Nabal means fool. But I, your servant, didn't see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Now then, my Lord, as the Lord, as Yahweh lives, and as your soul lives, because the Lord has restrained you from blood guilt and from saving your own hand, now then let your enemies and those who seek to do evil to my Lord be as Nabal. And now let this present that your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please, Forgive the trespass of your servant. For the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house. Because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord. And evil shall not be found in you so long as you live. If men rise up to pursue you and seek your life, the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living in the care of the Lord your God. And the lives of your enemies he shall sling out as from the hollow of a sling. And when the Lord has done to my Lord according to all the good that has, he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you prince over Israel, my Lord shall have no cause of grief or pangs of conscience for having shed blood without cause or for my Lord working salvation himself. And when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your servant. And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discretion, and blessed be you who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from working salvation with my own hand. For as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, who has restrained me from hurting you, unless you had hurried to come to meet me, truly by morning there had not been left to Nabal so much as one male. Then David received from her hand what she had brought him. And he said to her, Go up in peace to your house. See, I have obeyed your voice, and I have granted your petition. Now for the epilogue. And Abigail came to Nabal, and behold, he was holding a feast in his house like the feast of a king, a fool acting like a king. 
And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunk. So she told him nothing at all until the morning light. In the morning, when the wine had gone out of Nabal. There's a play on words. Wine skin is Nabal. So when the wine skin is empty of wine, when the wine has gone out, his wife told him these things, and his heart died within him, and he became as a stone. And about ten days later, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. And when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord, who's avenged the insult I received at the hand of Nabal, and has kept back his servant from wrongdoing. The Lord has returned the evil of Nabal on his own head. Then David sent and spoke to Abigail to take her as his wife. And when the servants came to Abigail at Carmel, they said to her, David has sent us to you to take you to him as his wife. And she rose and bowed with her face to the ground and said, Behold, your handmaid is a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. And Abigail hurried and rose and mounted a donkey and her five young women attended her. And she followed the messengers of David and became his wife. And a little bit more of the epilogue. David also took Ahinoam of Jezreel and both of them became his wives. Saul had given Michael his daughter to David's wife. David's wife to Palti, son of Laish, who was of Galim. The word of God for the people of God. Good stories have good characters. We got some pretty interesting characters, don't we? We got two new characters. We've got who? The fool. Nabal. Nabal. We go from a dying prophet and our attention is quickly turned to a fool acting like Saul. Acting foolishly like Saul. Nabal, again, literally means fool. The prophet Isaiah would say later in Isaiah chapter 32, For the fool, the Nabal, speaks folly, and his heart is busy with iniquity to practice ungodliness. And get this, to utter error concerning the Lord, to leave the craving of the hungry unsatisfied and deprive the thirsty of drink. Yep, that's our Nabal. A Calebite, but no Caleb. No, really, a Saulish character. And there's yet, though, another new character. A new character, she's quick-witted. She's wise. She's a kneeling beauty. She's truly a handmaid of the Lord. Handmaid of Yahweh. Now whereas David was convicted in the last story by his own conviction, in this chapter, chapter 25, the Lord uses a different method. The Lord uses a beautiful providence by the name of Abigail to prevent David from wrongdoing, to prevent David from striking out in rage and wiping out a bunch of people and having all kinds of blood dripping from his hands. She gave a remarkable speech, wasn't it? I mean, were you paying attention to what she was saying? I mean, it's, it's brilliant. 
She's, she's super careful. She's offering up prayer. She's asking to, in a sense, take the place of her husband. And she's doing all this. And then she's, almost as a prophet, she sees where David is going and she says, do, do you want to go there with blood on your hands? No, no. Wait upon the Lord. Trust upon the Lord. Don't take matters into your own hands. And what does she do? She secures peace, the very peace that David has sent his young men to offer to this family. She gets it. She's the one who secures it. She secures that peace. That's the characters. How about a little bit about that epilogue? The fool who had scorned God's king was going to receive and did receive God's judgment. What does the Lord say? Vengeance is mine, I will repay. Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And then there's that bit about David and his wives. Yes, David is a man after God's own heart, but brothers and sisters, he had feet of clay. And he had wandering eyes. And he loved the women. He was a sinful man nonetheless. And, and yet, I think that sinfulness that we see, his, his willingness to jump in really strangely. I mean, after 24, he was convicted there in that cave, right? And he was careful and, and, and he didn't want to strike out and kill Saul. But here he's just ready to pounce on not only Nabal, but his, all his men. He's a sinner. And he's a sinner, as we see, in taking more than one wife. That wasn't God's creational intention. David had eyes for the ladies. Yet this, along with David's bloodletting rage, only helped to underscore the point of the text. Well, what's the point of the text? Let's get back to the plot. Good stories start with a problem, right? You can't have a good story without a problem. You really can't have a good story without sin. Without conflict. There's a problem. And that problem has to fester, as we like to say. It has to develop. The tension has to start going up and up and up and up. And you're wondering what's going to happen, right? For a good story. And, and, and you're finally about to bust. What's next? What's going to happen? And it's at that point that in most good stories, we find the point of the story. Right after that point of highest tension in what's known as the resolution, we find usually the point, the answer to the question, what's going to happen next? And what's the highest point of tension in this passage? I think it's this. How will David respond to Abigail's plea for forgiveness? What's he going to do? Is he going to listen or is he going to push her aside and say, guys, let's go pull our swords and wipe them out? What's he going to do? Brothers and sisters, here's a God-given opportunity to a sinful David to keep him from letting his rage turn into bloody hands. He stopped in his tracks by this beautiful woman, this audacious courageous, wise, beautiful woman who's kneeling before him. 
who's in, in Christ-like fashion saying, let me take the guilt of another. And the question then is, how's David going to respond? Verse 32. How's he going to respond? And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discretion, and blessed be you who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from working salvation with my own hands, from taking matters into my own hands, for not trusting in God and taking matters in my own hands. You've spared me from this. For as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has restrained me from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to meet me, truly by morning there had not been left to Nabal so much as one male. Then David received from her hand what she had brought him. And he said to her, Go up. Go up in peace to your house. See, I have obeyed your voice and I have granted your petition. The Lord's anointed, this God-appointed king, simply put, he forgave. He forgave. He was not to be a man doing his own will. He was not to be a man who was off shedding blood needlessly of others. He was to be a different sort of king, a different sort of ruler. He was to trust in the Lord. He was to wait upon the Lord. He was to forgive. And he did what? He forgave. He forgave. The son of David, though, let's think. Let's take that next step. The son of David... Instead of saying, strap on your swords, boys, said what? Put your swords away. The son of David, there was never a question, would he do the will of the Father? He would always do the will of the Father. The son of David always trusted the Father. The son of David in his first advent did not shed the blood of many. Instead, he shed his own blood for the many. The son of David with no Abigail sent to plead for forgiveness. The son of David says from the cross what? Father, forgive them for they know not what they And the son of David is the very one who extends his forgiveness to you. To you. We're a room full of Nabals. We are a room full of Nabals. And the son of David extends his forgiveness to us. Men, are we the king's men? 
women? Are you the king's women? When someone has hurt you, foolishly, struck out against you, done that which was harmful to you, made life miserable, do you believe God when he says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay? Or has your general attitude been, I'm going to get back, and I'm going to get back as quickly as I can, and I'm going to get everything that I deserve. And they're going to get what they deserve. Forgiveness. It's a a simple word in a sense, isn't it? Simple word to understand. Apart from grace, a word that you cannot, that you can't do. Forgiveness. Are we the king's men? Are you the king's women? Nabal, beautiful Abigail, David with feet of clay, Jesus, fully human, fully man. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Lee, you, he who has ears, let him hear. She who has ears, let her hear. Let's pray. What an amazing and beautiful story. One that points us to an even more beautiful story. Heavenly Father, we ask that we would be captivated, not by the beauty of Abigail, but by the beauty of the one who extends forgiveness to us right now. The one who looks about this world and sees a world full of sinners who don't seek after him. And yet he comes down and he seeks after his own and he extends beautiful providences along the way. And one of those providences is this worship service, this hour, this moment. O glorious shepherd of the sheep, Pick up your sheep, put them on your shoulders, and carry them. For we pray this in your name.